Hi, parents. It's Robin McMahon here. Thank you for listening to Parenting Our Future, which is in the top 0.5% of all podcasts worldwide. Before we dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my membership site, The Parent Toolbox. You can join this membership for free. It's at www.parent-toolbox.com. And this is the companion site to my show, Parenting Our Future. In The Parent Toolbox, you will find game-changing tools and resources from both myself and my guest experts who are among some of the top minds in the parenting space. There are over a hundred resources to help you navigate screen time, co-parenting, meltdown, teenagers, and so much more. Join today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hey, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome to another episode of Parenting Our Future. And if you're wondering why I am so excited, it's because I have somebody who I love, I respect, I am lucky enough to call a friend, somebody who I want to talk to and do talk to, uh, you know, just to catch up and, and see how she's doing. But she is a brilliant mind in the world of parenting and raising kids. So they thrive. Oh my gosh. You are going to love if you haven't already heard our episode together before that was all about her book called making it, which I'm just going to hold up for anybody watching on YouTube. This is her book, making it. I have Stephanie, Stephanie Malia Krauss on. Okay. So I just said, she's the author of making it, which is making it what today's kids need for tomorrow's world, as well as she is the founder and principal of First Quarter Strategies. She serves as a senior advisor to Jobs for the Future, a senior fellow with the Series Institute for Children and Youth at Boston University, a senior fellow with Education Northwest, and staff consultant to the Youth Transition Founders Group. Stephanie works nationally on issues of youth readiness, child well-being, and the future of work and learning. Oh my gosh, I just love her so much. Now, not only that, through her work and writing, Stephanie is relentlessly focused on what young people need to be ready for this world and what the world needs to be ready for them. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's always so strange to hear your bio read out by somebody else, Um, but I really love any conversation with you. And it's so good to be back on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, I just uh, like I'm geeking out over your new book. We were just talking about it. In fact, it was hard for us to even hit record because we had so much to talk about so much to uh, update each other on. So let's talk about your new book, which is scheduled to be released in spring 2023. It is called Whole Child Whole Life. 10 ways to help kids live, learn, and thrive. I am all about that. Tell me what it's about. What made you write this book? Oh, well, so you held up the copy of Making It, which came out in the middle of the pandemic. And so I had this bizarre experience that you were a part of, of doing a book launch in my basement. Um, So for those who are listening, who haven't gotten to read Making It, it's a book that's written about what young people need to be ready for a world that's really hard. And um, I spent a long time teaching and I'm a social worker. Um, I've got two kids of my own and I left running schools, as you know, for national work about 10 years ago. So the genesis of making it was getting into national 
conversations and realizing that all of this research and information that I needed when I was a teacher and when I was a coach that I still needed as a mom, I was hearing in these national conversations and conferences and convenings, but teachers and coaches and counselors and parents weren't in those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wrote making it to try and get that information down to the front lines of parenting, taking care of kids, educating kids. So the book comes out middle of the pandemic. I'm doing these book conversations from the basement and almost every conversation I have, I get the same question at the end of the conversation, which is, okay, so now we know what young people need to be ready, but what do they need to be well? How do we make sure the kids are okay? Mm -hmm. And for me, I have my background in education, but also this background in social work. And so as I was doing the book tour, the U.S. Surgeon General and America's pediatricians came out publicly and said, we have a youth mental health crisis on our hands. The kids are not okay. They're really suffering and struggling. And there are still plenty of moments and seasons when they're doing all right, but there's a real struggle here Mm -hmm. um, and we need to be doing more for it. And so I looked around the bookshelves for people who work with kids. So educators, coaches, counselors, mentors, advisors, um, and realized that we don't really have a common sense, easy to read, digestible manual about what young people need, not just to be ready, but to thrive and to do well. Mm -hmm. And so this book is a different kind of love letter. As you know, I have two boys who are nine and 11. And as a mom, yeah, I want them to be ready, but like, I want them to be happy and healthy. Mm -hmm. I want them to be okay. I want them to experience well-being. And so my mama's heart is in this one. And so the book is broken into three sections. Um, So the first section deals with the whole child part. And basically, um, you know, so again, the primary audience actually for, for those of us who are, who are parents, most of your listeners are for all the people who work with our kids. And it's a really good read for us too, but it's really to give to your teacher or to your principal or to your counselor. Mm. And it starts by saying, you know, when we first get a kid in a classroom, let's say, all we know is whatever's on the roster. Oh, I see that I have um, Stephanie on my class. Oh, I had her brother. And, oh, I know she lives in this community. Or, oh, she only lives with mom, single parent. So we have all of these assumptions and biases. Mm-hmm. And it has such an impact on how young people are treated and mm-hmm. how they're experiencing the world themselves. So the first part of the book goes from how do we understand that we start really by profiling kids when we first meet them Mm -hmm. to needing to understand the full picture in high definition of who they are and how do we get to learn who they are and how they are health wise. So how are their brains and bodies developmentally? Who are the people and places in their lives that make them who they are 
And then what are their strengths and their struggles and their quirks and their characteristics? What makes them them? So that's part one, right? Like, how do we really get a picture of who this kid is and how this kid is doing? Mm-hmm. Part two are these whole life practices. So what I did was I looked all across the research and science on um, learning and child development, youth development, thriving, flourishing, mental health, um, positive psychology, and said, what are the the things, the practices that kids need and adults need? So whole lifetime practices that even when life is hard and challenging and unpredictable, give us opportunity to thrive and enjoy life and have a good life. And so these are things that range from prioritizing our mental health to mm-hmm. nurturing healthy relationships, building community and belonging, um, all the way up to being a force for good. So the amazing things that happen when kids can be change makers and bridge builders and do good in the world and see that they have some agency over these things that they Mm. otherwise feel like they're happening to them. Um, And then the last section is about a vision for wholeness and for well-being and saying that, you know, if, if we have the privilege of having kids in our life, whether it's personally or professionally, their care is in our hands. And so we have to embrace and know the art and science of taking care of them and being with them on the journey. Um, so that's kind of the arc of the book and the why of the book. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, there are some brilliant people who've been, I've gotten to interview more than 50 experts in kids and life and thriving and trauma and healing and community. Um, and all of their voices are in the book too. Mm, wow, that is incredible. So three sections, you talk about the whole child and then the whole life and then the vision for wholeness and well-being. So yes. really this is a guide to help us help them, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I mean I think my hope is if somebody is raising or working with kids and they're like I just need a primer on the things that really matter for them Mm -hmm. to be okay, that this would be the one. And that um, it gives you sort of an entry point, no matter what age a kid is, um, to just get grounded on the things that really matter a lot for for their well-being. Yeah. And I think that what we do often do is focus on maybe what isn't the most important, like A's or B's in school. That's right. right. Like sports teams did you get the a are you or the c are you the captain or are you know like you know and and actually what we need to prioritize is how happy are they how is their mental health how many friends do they have you know what like what's going on with them are they do i hear them see them do i do I affirm who they are, accept who they are? You know, do I, do I recognize that my child isn't a mini me that they have their own hopes and dreams and desires and thoughts and, you know, and do I embrace those and listen to those or do I run my own agenda? Do I force my own stuff on them? I mean, it's, it's tough to be a parent 
it's tough to be a parent, right? And it's tough to be a kid in today's world, right? So it sounds like what you're doing is helping to really bridge that gap. Yep. I'll tell you what, I just heard a story earlier this week that just, uh, just frustrated me so much, Robin, where a parent had reached out to a superintendent of a school district and said, my kid is suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have been trying to get the attention of teachers and the principal, and she is not getting the services she needs. And I'm really afraid for her, for her life, you know, like Mm -hmm. I need to know she's healthy and happy at this point. I need to know she's safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she goes through all these things that she's asked for and tried and it's a really hard, you know, letter. I, I'm just hearing of the second hand and the superintendent's response. So the letter was sent to the superintendent and to the school board. So the superintendent responds back to the school board and says, um, you know, here's where we are in the process, sort of technicality, technicality. And then at the end says, um, oh, but we should just note that she is getting A's and B's. And I thought, like, that is not the reference point. Like, you just had the parent who is the expert on this kid say, I'm afraid for the safety and well-being of my child, and I am trying to get the school to respond, and I need help. Enough that they took that really scary leap to write to the superintendent. Huge. And that A's and B's were used as this, like, marker of wellness, and it's a proxy. It's a false proxy totally. of if kids are okay. Because it's totally possible for kids to get A's and B's and still be suffering and struggling. 100%. Yeah, and that's really, that's devastating to hear. That's devastating to hear. And I want to just say one thing, because it is important as parents for us to know what our rights are That's and right. what we can ask for. And in fact, what I'm going to do in the show notes is include a link to a previous episode that I had on parents' rights in their children's education. Uh, so I just I just wanted to, to bring that up because um, it is important. And, uh, and I have a, a guest who's a lawyer. Um, Catherine Michael is her name. And so she, um, she, this is all she does is help parents to fight, to, to know how to fight for them, their kids in school. And in fact, I have a similar, a similar scenario where I have a child that has extra needs and I didn't know what we could ask for. Right. And it wasn't until he was in high school that I found out and we were matched with the right person. Um, who's also been on my podcast now, uh, Michelle Schilbach, um, who, who, you know, was able to sort of help us navigate what we can ask for, what we deserve, what he deserves and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, um, so it is huge. And, you know, the grades you get in school are not a measure of your worth or a measure of your smarts really at all. So I I really do love that you bring that up. And what I want to talk about uh, is something that I don't think we talk about very often. I don't talk about it that often. And that is the brain body connection. And that's part of that first section in your book where you're talking about the whole child. So can you talk about what that is and why that matters? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So do you remember with making it the thing that I learned when I was writing that book that floored me and changed me as a parent was that kids will probably live 
a 100 yes. year life, right? As yes. a, as an expectation, not an exception that science has advanced. And I actually have one of the chapters, one of the whole life practices is to act with a 100 year mindset. So that was it. the thing that transformed me the most as a mom in making it. So for whole child, whole life, the thing that has changed me the most mm. is this writing of brain and body and health, because I'm not a healthcare provider. I'm a mom. I'm a social worker. Mm. I'm an educator. And there's so much about what is happening inside a kid that manifests as behaviors that we don't realize are actually health issues that get sent to a principal's office for bad behavior. If you're listening, I'm doing air quotes um, or to a counselor for mental health care where they may actually need a vitamin supplement or something else. And so um, the brain and body chapter. So uh, you're right. It's in that first section about the whole child. And what I talk about in that chapter is that there are really, really important um, practices and activities to keep kids' bodies healthy that will support their development, their ability to learn and thriving. And there are things that are really easy, like movement. It doesn't have to be intense exercise. I mean, the doctors have guidelines on how much it should be. But when you actually study people who have lived long lives and been really healthy, just engaging in regular activity where you're moving your body and you're feeling mm -hmm. a sense of connection to it is really, really important. One of the things that we don't pay enough attention to especially with older kids, I think we pay a lot of attention to it with babies and toddlers is sleep and the incredible impact that not getting enough sleep can have. So one of the big health things for us to be thinking about is when we're seeing the first signs of depression or obstinance or anxiety or um, other really significant changes, one of the first questions we should ask ourselves always for kids and frankly for adults too is, are they sleeping okay? How's hmm. their sleep? It's one of the easiest things that we can correct or address. Um, I remember I had a friend who had an incredible mental health break in early adulthood and he went to a psychiatrist and he said, I think something's really wrong with me. And he went through the litany of symptoms he had. And in those symptoms, he included that he was in, in really severe insomniac. And the psychiatrist said to him, I will not treat you for anything until we get your sleep under control. Yeah. We have to see what affects sleep. So I'll give you a, a really interesting example personally from this. One of my kids, my older son, who, who you know, Justice, when he was in second grade, he got really despondent and we thought he was depressed. I'm married to a social worker, right? So you've got a social worker married to a social worker. We see this kid, he's questioning life. He's so exhausted, lethargic, really sad. And we thought, oh my God, he's, he's got depression. Mm -hmm. um, and we started taking him to a therapist and we were treating him for depression. Um, 
he had to get a surgery and the anesthesiologist, when he came into recovery, came over to me and said, I think you need to get a sleep study for justice. There were some irregularities when he was sleeping in Mm -hmm. surgery. Mm -hmm. And so we had a sleep study done and it turned out that he had the kid version of restless leg syndrome that happens when you're anemic. So if kids aren't getting enough iron, one of the most obvious symptoms is that they move around a ton at night. They're constantly waking themselves up. And so he was tired because he was iron deficient and he was tired. He was waking himself up like a hundred times a night. Oh my goodness. And so what was really important to know were that his symptoms needed attention. But if we had only treated the therapeutic part Mm -hmm. and not the health part of iron supplements, eventually he had to get his tonsils and adenoids out um, and, you know, a, a better pillow to get him sleep. He would have continued to progress down this road And once treated and he was getting good sleep and he had the iron levels up, those particular symptoms went away. So, you know, so you've got kind of this, I talk about sort of the set of really positive, important health activities, movement and sleep being two of them. Then I talk about other, um, what are sort of the, the injuries and, and other things that can get away. So if you, you know, I was a fifth grade teacher, so I always alliterate. I alliterate too much, but we can think about injury, illness, and inflammation. And those Mm -hmm. three things need to be taken care of. I've learned a lot in the last couple of years about the role that inflammation plays in the body, especially in relationship to mental health. Um, Totally. I'm just starting to learn about that too. And I am beyond excited to learn it because I think there can be a lot of changes that can be made well in what we eat right for one that's right yeah and how that influences the gut and it does impact your brain it does and there are so so at the end of the chapters what i what i talk about is inflammation is the best example of this that and these sort of vitamin deficiencies like iron Mm -hmm. there are we don't have to become healthcare professionals, but if we are professionally and personally invested in the well-being of kids, there are some things we need to teach ourselves in the same way we might learn first aid or CPR mm-hmm. about the look fors. Mm, that if like we that. see right, if we see anxiety, we need to say, okay, I see anxiety. What what are the other sort of look fors that could be possible? Mm-hmm. Or I see that this kid can't focus, or I see that this kid is depressed. This could be mental health. This could be physical health. This could be circumstantial or situational, or this could be some kind of blend. But in order to get the kid the care that they need, are we, at least for me, am I asking, could this be a vitamin deficiency? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. do they need blood work? for that? Um, Could this be strep throat? You and I both know that strep 
can cause mental health symptoms. It caused mm-hmm. mental health symptoms for one of my children. Mm-hmm. And I never learned that ever. And now that I know it, and it's about systemic inflammation, trauma in the body and chronic toxic stress causes inflammation. That inflammation relates to learning difficulties, developmental difficulties, future health difficulties, right? All kinds of things. And so we do, we need to sort of have this blended approach to how we're observing and evaluating what might be going on with the kid um, and also tending to them, helping take care of You know, this is so huge. Really to sum up what you've said is when your child has behavior you don't like, the first thing you do is get curious. That's right. What is going on? What, what is going on? Right. This behavior seems abnormal and look, it's not always easy, right? Because we can, this is how I always explain parenting to people. It's that it's on two sides. On the one hand, literally I'm using my hands to talk on the one hand, it's your child and what's going on with them, their feelings, their needs, what's happening in their body, whatever has been, you know, whatever their experiences are as limited as they may be. And then from our side, we operate from the place we were hurt the most. So there's pain and trauma for us. Their behavior could really easily trigger us. And then we react from that place when instead it's actually, we've got to put our stuff aside so that we can show up and say, okay, what's going on with this little love bug of mine? What is going on? And and when I say it's hard, you know, my son came out this way. He was hard from day one. I was beat, I, and I, I don't want to, you know, make it so dramatic, but I feel like I was beaten down from day one. And most of the beating down I did to myself, right? Because that's the way I talk to myself. I'm a failure. I've already, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm already the worst mom there is. I'm a bad mom already. So because I, things didn't work out the way I expected or wanted them to. So we've got to know that we've got our own stuff and there's a place to heal that stuff too. And then we go and we be curious. So I just want to say that. Yeah. So let me tell you one of my other favorite chapters. So there's one of the 10 practices is attending to the past and present. And I actually got on the phone with my favorite Mm. pediatric specialist and said, I feel like doctors do this better than, um, than anybody. If you've got a great doctor where they really want to know all of the things that could possibly be going on. If you're seeing one symptom, Mm -hmm. I want to know how long has it been happening? What Mm -hmm. else has been going on? Have you noticed anything? Mm -hmm. So I said to Jess, can you take me through how you get to know a kid and how you do rounds? I think this is a really interesting model for us to think about because there's a flow to how great pediatricians, especially when they don't have a lot of time and a lot is on the line. So think about a hospital setting and quickly know the specific unique circumstances of, of a child who's facing something scary. And it starts with What is the chief complaint or problem they're presenting? What is it we see? Mm -hmm. 
So with Jess, we use the example of asthma. So I, I see that this kid came into the emergency room with labored breathing. So now let's put this in the school context. You don't have to be in a special education meeting. You can just be in a conversation, a parent and a teacher. What's the chief complaint or problem we're seeing? I see that, um, that Stephanie is not able to focus in class right now and it's really impacting her ability to learn. And it's starting to impact some of her friendships too, because she's just kind of not present. So then the next part is exploring the bigger sort of context of, well, what else could be going on and what else is it that we're seeing? Um, and so now you're going down one more layer, right? So, well, we know that Stephanie um, has really poor eyesight and she's got a family history of ADHD, but she doesn't have it herself. And so it's sort of building out that bigger piece. So the next part is attending to the past. Well, has there been, how long has this been going on? So one of the things that Jess talks about is what I called funneled questioning, which I love, which is she starts an appointment by saying, well, what brought you in today? And then she says, so how long have you been experiencing that? And then she says, well, tell me a little bit more about what that looks like. And then she keeps going and says, you know, well, how are things going at school? So in the case of asthma, she wants to know, is this impacting your ability to do sports? Is it getting in the way of your emotional health? Is it getting in the way of your relationships, right? Is it the symptoms that are the problem or is it the symptoms and what that's doing in your life? And so I love this idea of what are we seeing at the top? What else do we know about the context of this kid? But then the third layer is so important, which is what what do we know about the history mm-hmm. of this kid in their lifetime and the family history? And we don't have to be experts on our genealogy, on genetics, but we can at least keep that curiosity you're talking about and say mm-hmm. like, could this have a relationship to something that experience they experienced earlier in life? Or could this be connected to family history? And then what else are we seeing that may or may not be related? So if you're a doctor and you've got the asthma, they're going to have a time in making rounds where they review every other body system. And Mm. so you can imagine when we're working with kids and our kids and there's a problem behavior, you want to look at every other sort of system in their life of being and doing, well, how are their relationships? How are they doing academically? How are they doing emotionally, right? Like, so relationally, socially, emotionally, cognitively, what, what's going on in these other places? Um, because sometimes it might look like asthma, but it's actually something different that's causing breathing mm-hmm. symptoms. Sometimes it might look like autism or ADHD, right? Right. Or anxiety, but it's actually something different of which there are anxious symptoms Mm -hmm. or attention related symptoms or hyperactive symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, you start to have a conversation as a team. Rounds are always in a team. Who is the team that is in charge of the care of this kid? And how do we collectively come up with what a plan might be? 
And then there's always the opportunity to reevaluate the plan. One of the things that I love about this pediatric approach, much more than special education approaches and other pieces is they don't wait six months or nine months or to get to a particular date to reevaluate. If they learn more information or if a new symptom comes up or if a medication isn't working or is it, if an intervention isn't working, they recognize that lives are on the line mm-hmm. and they meet up again or they get on the phone and they adjust. And that part is really important for us too. So it's so funny because I didn't think I would be talking so much about health and medicine, but that's it. It ended up being a really, I think when we talk about our kids being healthy and happy and well, like being healthy, I think about holistically, but yeah, there's actually a lot there. Well, you know, look, I, I, I think we just scratched the surface of everything that we can talk about. So I'm going to invite you back to talk about this again, because um, I think everything that you're talking about is really important. We didn't talk about trauma. And I think there's, there's a lot to be said about that. And, you know, I, I do want to say one thing um, is that I've had uh, Dana Kay on my podcast and she is the founder of ADHD Thrive Institute and she's really the one that opened my eyes to the food and gut connection uh and we're making changes at home to really help my oldest uh, and all of us to really heal our own guts so that we can um you know we can reduce inflammation because the root of all disease is inflammation and so it needs to be you know it's something that we 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 need to look at at least Personally, that's what I'm doing. And so um, I really like that you're talking about injury, illness, inflammation. I love the alliteration. I think that's great. And, and, and really, truly just to not take behavior at its face value, we've got to dive underneath. And I mean, if, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, it's all about what's underneath underneath, look at your kid's behavior, like a puzzle to be solved, be a detective, you know, look at what's going on because our kids are not trying to be rude and disobedient and trying to drive us crazy and manipulate us. They aren't. And if they are doing those things, there's a reason why, and we've got to get underneath and it could be illness. It could be inflammation. It could be, um, injury. And it also could be a broken relationship with us. Right. And all we need to do is learn how to heal whatever area we're healing. And that's just our invitation, our invitation to more peace, more joy, right? More connection. Mm. When your child is thriving, you're thriving. I'll never forget the Dr. Phil quote where he says, you're only as happy as your saddest child. And it's true when our kids are struggling, we are not happy. So this is not just for your kids. It's for you too. It's for your family. It's for everybody. And Stronger families equal stronger communities, equal stronger economies, equal a better world for us all. There is a ripple effect when our kids are doing well and when our families are doing well. So you just like, I'm so excited that you're doing the work that you're doing. I'm so excited that I call you a friend Mm -hmm. and to have you on my show talking to my listeners, because what you have to say is so important. Stephanie, I'm so happy to have you today. We're going to cut our conversation short now, but you and I are going to talk again. And uh, so look for our next conversation on parenting our future. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Thanks, Robin. And I'll be with you again soon. 
Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe, and if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.